in James chapter 1, we're fi- we find that we are talking about this passage's main point is about deception. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been deceived by someone? They lead you to believe one thing, and then they come to find out that's not exactly what was true. You know, they lead you down a primrose path. What they do is they, they'll leave something out of the story, this key information that would change your decision or your thought process. So to deceive someone is to be able to lead them to think or to believe something that, than that which is actually true. It's to get them to come to the conclusion that you want them to come to, even though that you know that that conclusion is not the right conclusion. I can tell you that if you've ever been deceived, some of the feelings that you experience when that happens to you. I bet you felt betrayed. I, I, I bet you now, when you've been deceived, you probably have a lack of trust in that person. Sometimes there's the emotion of frustration. You're like, how could I be so stupid? Sometimes there is hurt. Why would they do that to me? Why, why didn't they just tell me the truth? And then sometimes there's anger. These emotions and more, all these different types of emotions and more may be a part of what you and I experience when we have been deceived. And I don't think anybody in here this morning would want to be known as a deceiver. Matter of fact, that's one of the names for Satan. He's the great deceiver. He's a liar. And being deceived is a really difficult thing to go through. But I think there's something worse. Worse than when somebody deceives you. I think that what's worse is when you deceive yourself. See, when you deceive yourself, it's worse. You say, why is that? Well, logic tells you that when you deceive yourself, you know what is right. You know what is true, but you willingly go against it. It's like this, you've heard this phrase, you turn a blind eye towards it. You ignore what is right and what is true. On scientificamerica.com, it says says this, people mislead themselves all day long. This is how we deceive ourselves. We tell ourselves that we're smarter and better looking than our friends. We tell ourselves that our political party can do no wrong. Psychologists have identified several ways of fooling ourselves. Biased information gathering. Biased reasoning and biased recollections. First, the way that we seek information that supports what we want to believe and avoid that which does not support what we want to believe. And one of the most common types of self-deception is self-enhancement. You know what I find interesting is that the Bible talks about self-enhancement. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, the Bible says, 
For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. See, we deceive ourselves in many areas of life. But if we're not careful, we can deceive ourselves spiritually. We can think that we are maturing when we're not. See, it's possible for every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ to become a self-deceived person. And that, that happens. You say, well, how does that happen? It happens when we're not rightly related to God and the truth of God. So you become self-deceived when you're not r- rightly related to God and to his truth. See, when there's not a right relationship in your life, you start thinking things that are not true sometimes. You make assumptions, don't you? When there's maybe tension in a relationship, or when a relationship is not right in the physical realm, what do we do? We start conjuring up things. We start judging people's motives. We start assuming things that really aren't true. Why? Because the relationship's not right. There's not the open communication, and so we're not receiving the truth, and we're not hearing the truth, and we're not giving the truth. And and because there's a barrier in that relationship, we start deceiving ourselves and start thinking things that really aren't true. And that happens to us with God sometimes. We're not rightly related to him and to the truth of God. The great thing is, the wonderful thing is, that none of us have to live in self-deception. But the sad reality is that many, many Christians do live in self-deception. James gives us three responsibilities, and I want us to look at one of them today. This is one of the responsibilities that that you and I have in order to keep us from being self-deceived. You say, why is it a responsibility and maybe not a step? The reason it's a responsibility is that you are the only one that can keep yourself from being self-deceived. You are the one that deceives yourself, and you're the only one that can keep yourself from being self-deceived. You say, well, what's my first responsibility? If I don't want to be a self-deceived Christian, as James is warning about, and as, and as Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 talks about, What's my first responsibility in not being self-deceived in order to have an honest walk with the Lord? Number one, you can write this down if you would, please. You must receive the word of God. You must receive the word of God. In James 1, 19 through 21, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. If you were to go back to James chapter 1 and verse 18, you would find that James compares the word of God to the seed of the womb. Now he's taking uh, the word of God and he's comparing it to the seed of soil. Something that you would plant in the ground, like a, like a, 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 a vegetable seed. And he says in this passage of scripture, he uses a couple words here. He uses engrafted. That word means to implant. It means to implant. And so as we as believers, we are to receive the word. But you know, 
there's more than one way to receive something, is there not? You can receive something with great joy. You can receive something with great appreciation. You can receive something with great thanks. Or you can receive something begrudgingly. You can receive something with animosity. And James gives us instructions on how to receive the word in order that we would not become self-deceived, but have an honest walk with God. So if I've got to receive the word, pastor, then how am I supposed to receive the word? Well, the Bible tells us, write this down, letter A. He says, be quick to hear. You are, a, you are quick to hear or you're a quick hearer. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 10, if you will, please. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you ought to be quick to hear the word of God. Proverbs 10 verse 19. In the multitude of words, Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Now, now here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invert this verse here, sort of like go inside the verse and look at it from the inside out. We could say it this way. If wisdom is your goal, being a wise person, then be quick to hear being quick to hear will be, or quick to listen, will be on the top of your priority list. It will be on the top of your characteristics as a believer. See, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to be quick to hear what the Word of God has to say. Listening to the Word of God is not just for a select few. It says, let every man be swift to hear. So it's not just, it's just not for me as pastor to be, oh, well, you've got to listen to the word of God because you have to be able to lead us spiritually. No, he says, let every man, and that term every man, it's used in a broad sense. It's just not talking about men as gender. It's talking about all humanity, okay? Men and women. So everybody is to be quick to hear. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 24, take heed to what you hear. And in Luke 8 verse 18 he says to take heed to how you hear. So if we're going to receive the word of God, we've got to be quick to hear, but we also need to remember, listen to what you're hearing, and then take heed to how you're hearing. It's only not what we hear, but it's how we hear it. It's the motive of our heart. That's exactly what James is getting to. See, that's why James compares the word of God to, the, uh, to seed that's implanted in a soil. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you will, please. Okay, so what, is it, what does it look like to be quick to hear? Does that mean that everybody in the, in the church auditorium ought to be like this? Sitting on the edge of their seat? Well, I mean, it'd be, really be nice if everybody got as, as excited about hearing the word of God as you know, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. You know, that would be great. I, I mean, it'd be really nice that if everybody was jumping up and down and, and, and I'd say, okay, time out, I gotta, I gotta tell you more. Okay, quiet down, you know. I'd have to do like this, you know, like they do on the football stadiums. Quiet, so we can call the play. Quiet, so I can read the next verse. You're just so excited about it. 
Is that what it means to be quick to hear? See, being quick to hear, you say, what is, what is that? How do I apply that? It means taking every opportunity that we have to increase our hearing of God's word. It's to go after the knowledge of God through the hearing of God's word. First Thessalonians chapter two. So being quick to hear is to take that opportunity when the doors of this assembly are open to be able to be in your place to listen to the word of God. Take a look at First Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing. Because when you received, look here, when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the words of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know what James is telling us? If we're gonna, if we're gonna receive the word of God rightly, we're to be quick to hear, and he's saying, Go get yourself underneath the word of God and be quick to hear it as the word of God. See, you have to remember, James was writing to the, the Jews scattered abroad and they were underneath persecution at this time. And because that there was so, so, much, so much animosity towards them and so much um, hatred towards them and they were under so much persecution, James is saying, look, Make sure, in order, if you're going to stay uh, consistent in your Christian life, make sure that you are underneath the sound preaching of the Word of God. So he says, if you're going to receive the Word of God, you must be quick to hear. But secondly, letter B, you're slow to speak. You're slow to speak. This is where we get ourselves in trouble, don't we? We're slow to speak. Instead of being slow to speak, slow to speak, we're slow to hear, and we're quick to speak, right? James did not say that we should never speak, but we should be slow to speak. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. So if we're going to receive the word of God rightly, you don't want to be self-deceived, pastor. I don't want to be a self-deceived Christian. Then what this means is I'm going to be quick to hear, I'm going to be slow to speak, So what does this mean? It means to speak with thought and with care. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Okay, all right, Paul, then what should proceed out of my mouth? But that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. Our speech, when we do speak, it is to edify. Edify means to build up. So it's to build up one another. And it is to minister grace. So it should, in, it should build us up in the Lord and it should encourage us in the grace of God. You know what? We, we need to be careful of how we do speak to people. Have you, have you ever listened to yourself speak? That, you know, I, I have melanoma, and thank the Lord, oh, by the way, I went and I just had a battery, like 11 different blood tests done for, for partly for the melanoma and then some other things that are going on. And, um, but I had a battery of blood work done. That all came back clear, so I thank the Lord for that. And then I had my uh, lymph nodes checked 
uh, what's today, Sunday, Friday, uh, I went up there, I had ultrasound done on that up in my shoulder area, and uh, they said that that looked good, and so I was, I was very thankful for that. And I got to go through this process for the next five years until they officially say, you know, you're clear. That's what they say. Okay, well, good. And, and so far, I think I'm like two years in now. So that's a good thing. And I was thanking the Lord for that. But let me put it to you this way. Please don't come up to me and say, Pastor, yeah, I heard that you have melanoma. Yes. They cut it out. It looks like everything's going well. Yeah, oh, wow. Let me tell you, my uncle died from that. That's not edifying and it's not ministering grace. <laughs> or you find out somebody's got to have a surgery. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. That recuperating pain is just unbearable. I mean, I was on, I, I was on, you know, 5 million milligrams of morphine, and it still didn't help. I was in so much pain, I took the metal bars on the bed, and I bent them in, you know. That's not edifying. Or, yeah, I, I heard that your child left the house. Yeah, mine did 22 years ago, and they've never spoken to me again. Let me ask you, is that going to help, or does that hurt? Does that give hope? Does that minister grace? Does that build up? I would say no. But I also believe here, I, I believe... That's just, I believe, the surface of what James is talking about. And we do need to work on that, right? I mean, all of it. if we're not careful, it's very easy not to edify and minister grace. Just like in anything in life, it always takes more to build than it does to tear down. And you've got to work at building up in your speech. All of us do. Because everything around us is negative, is it not? I mean, how many news agencies do you know that survive on good news? Matter of fact, there was one, but it went out of business. Literally, it went out of business because nobody was paying attention. You know. But I believe this is just the surface of what James is talking about when he says, you're slow to speak. It's more than just proper speech. Because we're we've got to look at the Word of God in context. That's key. You know how every single cult gets started? Is they take something from the Bible out of context. And so we better make sure that we're in context here. What is James talking about here? He's talking about the Word of God. The context is the Word of God. This section is talking about the Bible. It's talking about being hearers of the Word and doers, or not just hearers, but being hearers and doers of the Word. In James chapter 3, we're going to talk more about the tongue and speaking when we get to James 3. But what I believe James is getting at here is that we should be slow to argue with the word of God. Amen. See, you say, well, what do you mean? Well, instead of listening to the word of God, we're quick to speak against the word of God. You say, Pastor, now wait a second. This is Open Bible Baptist Church. We, we don't speak against the word of God. Now, maybe there's other churches around. They speak against the word of God. Think not more highly of yourselves, just, you know. But not Open Bible. Well, think about it. We do speak against the word of God. You say, how do I do that? Well, when God tells you something from his word, 
to do something or to act a certain way or to be something, and it goes, the way you th- it goes against the way that you think or it goes against the way that you live or it goes against the way that you believe, what happens instead of being a quick receiver of the Word of God, instead of hearing the Word of God, what do we do? We're quick to argue with the Word of God. We're quick to give excuses why we can't do what the Word of God has to say. We're quick to say that the Word of God, it just doesn't apply to me in that situation. When you say, well, God just does not understand my circumstance. That is the most misinformed statement that any Christian could ever make. God does not understand my situation. Excuse me. It is the God of all the universe that you had just invoked in your speech, and he knows everything, and when he wrote this book, he wrote it in complete wisdom with infinite knowledge and you're telling me or other Christians around you that God just doesn't understand my situation? That's arguing with the Word of God. That's speaking against the Word of God. I would have appreciated a whole lot more amens at that point, but I understand that that, you know, I might be, some of you say, stepping on your toes, I'm aiming for your heart. See, James says, be slow to, to speak. If you're going to receive, if you and I are going to receive the word of God in the right way and not be self-deceived, is that not one of the key components of being self-deceived? When we argue with God about what his word says. Well, I can't do that. Or that's just the way that I was born. Hello? Hello? Well, the reason that I had that adulterous relationship is you just don't live with my wife. Hello? Pastor, the reason that I, I, I lied was because if, if I didn't lie, it was going to cost me thousands of dollars. And I. I've got to be a good steward with the money that God gave me. Hello? We become self-deceived. See, when God tells us something, we're just becoming hearers, right? We're not becoming doer. We're just hearing. I know what he says, but... There's a lot of big butt Christians in church. That was a pun. If you and I are going to receive the word in the right way, we must be quick to hear and slow to speak. Take a look at verses 19 and 20, letter C. You're slow to anger. You're slow to anger. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You're slow to anger. We don't want to become self-deceived. Okay, pastor, I don't want to be a self-deceived Christian walking around being basically my own deceiver. I, I don't want to do that. Okay, well then, the Bible says receive the word. He says be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. And now he says, be slow to wrath or slow to anger. The Bible doesn't say, don't ever be, it does not say, don't ever be angry. 
Paul tells us in Scripture, be angry and sin not. You know, there are certain things that we ought to be angry about. We ought to be angry about sin. We ought to be angry about social injustice when people are not treated the right way. We ought to be angry about those things. Why? Because God gets angry about those things when people are not treated like human beings. Why? Because every single person is made in the image of God. So we ought to be upset about those things. We ought to be angry about those things. But you know what? We get angry at the wrong things. And he says, be slow to anger. See, what happens is sometimes when people hear the truth, they get angry. Remember, we're talking about the context of God's word, right? Be he- not only hearers of the word, but be doers. The context of this passage is the word of God. John MacArthur says, and I'm not saying when I state his name, I'm not saying that I agree with everything that he states, but he makes a very good point here. Some people begin to resent when they hear something that's different than what they believe. Some people resent when they hear something that confronts them. They are hostile to the truth because they're convicted by it. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Man, I'm mad at the pastor. Well, why? Well, because of what he said about... And fill it in. Now look, you can get mad at me if I start talking about something that's not in the Word of God. Like if I said to you, you know what? If you don't like red carpet, you're a bum. That's not very nice. I hate red. I don't like the color red. Well, then you have a right to confront me on that. Pastor, that was not kind. That was not nice. That was unloving. You shouldn't make a statement like that. And you know what? You're right. You're right. That's not the way it should be. You never, I, I never want to use this pulpit here that God's entrusted to me as a bully pulpit. No. That's not what it's here for. The only reason that I have any authority at all is because the Word of God has authority. I just happen to be proclaiming the Word of God. So when I get away from the Word of God and start pontificating all my personal preferences, then you've got an issue. Well, I'm angry with the pastor. Why? Because he spoke about money. That's a good one. Yeah. Well, what do you say about money? It says you ought to give to the work of God. Isn't that what the Bible says? You ought to give generously. Yeah. I'm upset about the pastor. Why? Well, because he preached on soul winning. Well, what's the matter with preaching on soul winning? Well, I... Nothing, but I, I just... I, I don't hand out tracts. I don't go out. I, I'm more of a secret service type Christian. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, I'm mad at the pastor because he spoke on divorce. Well, why are you mad at the pastor because he spoke on divorce? Well... Because I'm divorced. Well, let me ask you something. Wouldn't you rather have the pastor preach on that and know that he loves you and he's trying to protect your kids from that? He's not going after you. That happens, folks. It's part of our culture. We've got to, I mean, it, it's, it's not right, and, but it happens. And, and, and we can't get away from that. And I would never try and put anybody down because of that. 
But you know what? I'm going to preach the truth because I want to try and save your kids from that. And I, guess what? If you love your kids, you'll be glad. It may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and say, man, man, I wish things would have worked out or I wish this wouldn't have happened this way or yeah, Lord, maybe this was some of my issues and I, I could have been more gracious, but thank you for your grace. You forgive me of that and now moved on, but help him to be able to get to my kids. Well, I'm mad at the pastor. Why? Because he preached against homosexuality and against lesbianism and against being transgender and against all the isms. Oh, wait a second. Isn't that what the Bible says? Well, that was people. They were just born that way. Well, not according to Romans chapter 1. Not according to Romans chapter 1. But science, I don't care. Science has been plenty of times wrong. Last time I checked, they used to say that the world was flat. I know what culture says. But see, sometimes people get angry at the word of God and they don't receive the word of God. I'm not saying it's always easy to hear. I'm not saying that I always like to hear it. Some of the things that I say, I don't even want to listen to. I'm like, man, why do I got to preach this? I don't like this. I want to cut this one out. I don't you know. But it's truth. And what happens sometimes, we get self-deceived because you say, you know what, I can't believe that God would be that way. He's supposed to be a loving God. Last time I checked, had man not messed up in the garden, we wouldn't have any of these issues. It's not God's problem, it's our problem. We are not to get God to conform to us, we are to conform to God. That's hard. Hey, let me tell you, as a pastor, I'll let you in to the parsonage. I want to be liked. It's not my goal to make enemies or have people leave the church. <gasps> Newsflash. <laughs> it's a whole lot more exciting to preach to a full church than it is to an empty church. It does nothing for my self-esteem as a man to walk in on a Sunday morning and preach to three people. Wow, man. It must really like what the Lord's laid upon my heart to be able to preach. That's in our humanity, is it not? But come on, folks. I'm going to preach the truth, and I want you to not be self-deceived. I, I want you to be able to receive the word the right way. And when we get angry at what we hear sometimes, we're becoming self-deceived. Why do people get angry at God and his word? because we want to be right. James chapter one, take a look at verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We wanna be right. See, what, is the, what does the wrath of man try and bring about? It tries to make man right. We wanna be right. That's the reason that we would be quick to get angry at the word of God. But verse 20 also tells us something else. It reveals something else about the anger of man. It does not bring about the righteousness of God. Now listen, what is the primary purpose of the preaching and teaching of the word of God? It is to produce the righteousness of God in the lives of individuals. Which is another way of saying that the Bible is to help make you right with God, whether it be in salvation or in sanctification. 
See, the reason that you, you, you can come to Christ is that the Bible is here to make you right with God. When you don't know Christ, you're not right with God. You're, you're still underneath your sin. The Bible says that you're underneath the wrath of God, that you're already, that you're condemned. But if you listen to the word of God, you take what the word of God has to say, you don't get angry at the word of God and say, well, who's Jesus to say that he's the only way, the truth, and life? When you accept what the Bible has to say, it makes you right with God for all of eternity. And then as you grow in Christ, it's making you more and more like the Lord. So it makes you right with God for salvation, and here's a theological term, and sanctification. Okay? And see, you and I, we can't be right with God when we're fighting against the word of God, if we resent the word of God, if we have the wrong attitude towards the word of God. If you don't want to be self-deceived, receive the word of God. And then letter D. We'll close with this, because this is a little bit more in depth here. You lay apart, or you prepare your heart, I'm sorry. You prepare your heart. If you were to plant a garden, what do you have to do? You've got to prepare the soil, right? You just don't take seed and you don't, just don't throw it on the ground. I mean, I'm not a farmer, but I know that much. And there's multiple steps that you would take in order to make sure that the seed would be received by the soil. And this is exactly what happens to our hearts when we hear the word of God. I mentioned earlier that James compares the, the word of God to seed, and now he is showing us that it's the soil of our heart that the seed is to be planted in. Okay, now you see we, we're going from here, here, I'm just trying to drill down, all right? So we have the overarching theme, you don't want to be self-deceived. Every, uh, every believer does not have to live in self-deception, Okay. So the overarching theme today is not being self-deceived. So then the next step down, okay, how do I not become self-deceived? Okay, I receive the word of God. What does it look like to receive the word of God? Okay, so we're, we're drilling down further, okay? It means that I'm slow, I, I'm quick to hear. I'm slow to speak. I'm slow to wrath. And now he says... You prepare your heart. And now we're going to drill down. What does that look like? How do I prepare my heart? James hasn't left us in the dark about this. Take a look. He says, wherefore, verse 21, lay apart. Turn to John chapter 13, if you will, please. The Bible says to lay apart all filthiness. James is bringing in another illustration here. James is one of the most practical books in the Bible it's, and because he gives illustration and example after example after example. And he says, lay apart. And he's saying, he, he's using this illustration of taking off dirty clothes. Just like your clothes get dirty from, uh, uh, from daily wearing them and, and they must be, you know, you got to take them off in order for them to be clean. James is saying that we are to lay apart our lives from living in the world because we get dirty and we got to be cleaned. I want you to take a look at John chapter 13 because this is played out in verses 1 through 10. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour has come, Jesus is just getting ready. He's getting ready to go to the cross, okay? 
When Jesus knew that his hour was to come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had, had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I think this is just <laughs> this is a great response from Peter. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not, to, needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye, are, and ye are clean, but not all. Okay, you say, all right, well, how does this tie in? About preparing our heart, laying apart the filthy garments, the, the dirty garments. Jesus is using a cultural custom here to prove a spiritual point. And this is what James is talking about. What they would do is when they would travel the dirt roads in, in that part of the world uh, because they didn't have them paved, they weren't like ours, they wore sandals. When you went into a place, uh, to be, uh, somebody's house, one of the ways that they would greet you would be sometimes they would anoint your head with oil, they would give you a kiss on the cheek, and they would also wash your feet. They would, they would clean your feet off from all the dust and dirt, and it would be, it would be refreshing. So Jesus uses that cultural custom of washing of feet to prove a spiritual point. James says that we're supposed to lay apart all filthiness. It's not that we have to get saved over again. That's not what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching, though, that when we're out in the world, is there not the filth of the world around us? And sometimes it is attracted to us. You ever say, where in the world did that thought come from? Whoa, whoa, guess what? That's the filth of the world, you know. And so Jesus is saying, as you wash your feet, as you cleanse the feet to get clean from the dirty roads, you are to cleanse yourself spiritually. Listen, you can't receive the word of God if you are not right with God. You're not going to receive it the right way. So Jesus is say, or James is saying it this way, 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For 1 John is written to believers. Now, we use that for salvation sometimes for people to understand, but 1 John was written to believers. And so if we're going to have our hearts prepared, what am I saying? We ought to have short sin accounts with God. That, that we ought to be confessing our sin to God. So the first act in preparing your heart is to lay apart or confess your sin. Then he says, secondly here, lay apart superfluity of naughtiness. Wow, what's that? Well, this is a picture, remember, we're talking about seed and the soil. This is a picture of a garden that is overgrown with weeds. It's a garden that's out of control. How many of you have ever had a garden and you've gone away on vacation for two weeks and then came back and it was like, oh no. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's all overgrown. Sometimes what do you do? You're like, you know what? It's not even worth it. I'm just going to turn it over and wait for next year. 
It's just too overgrown. There's a guy in our complex where we live at, and he's got this garden. And I mean, there are, there are weeds taller than the tomato um, stand things there. I mean, they're just... And when a garden's overgrown with weeds, guess what? You're not going to really get any fruit out of it, are you? You're not going to get any vegetables out of it. And so, what is he saying? Lay apart all superfluity of naughtiness. This is the, the pulling of the weeds of our hearts so that the ground is prepared to receive the word of God. And then he says, thirdly, receive with meekness. And he's really just circling back around. What's, re- what's receive with meekness? If you're receiving the, God, uh, the word of God with meekness, you're quick to hear. You're not arguing with the word of God. And you're not resentful towards God or his word. Receive it with meekness. Let me ask you. I'm not going to ask you if you're self-deceived. Because if you're... Because if you are, you know what you're going to say? Well, no. Why? Because you're self-deceived. <laughs> That's a circular argument, right? But I'm going to ask you, how are you receiving the Word of God? How are you receiving the Word of God? Are you quick to hear? You know, oh, you know, that you're pursuing, when there's opportunities to be able to hear the Word of God, hear an open Bible, that you're pursuing being in your place. Are you, slow, are you slow to speak? You know what, when the preacher says something from the Word of God that you're, not, well, that, 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 that may apply to everybody else, but, you know, my circumstances, God just doesn't understand. Are you slow to anger? Are you resentful that some things that are in the Word of God say, well, wait a second, that's, now God's talking about people in my family. He's talking about my situation. He's talking about my finances. And are you preparing your heart? Some of you remember back in the day, and some of you may still do this, and I encourage you to do this, but you remember when you were coming up, if you were brought up in church, maybe by your mom or grandmom, what you used to do on Saturday nights? Saturday nights used to be the time, way back in the day, when you got your bath, right? And I make sure both the staff men get their bath on Saturdays. I make sure. Whether they need it or not, once a week they get it. You got your bath. Why? Because you're getting ready for church. And what did you do? You laid your clothes out. You made sure that your shoes were polished. Back in the day, that's what we used to do because church was the most important thing that we were going to be a part of. So what did we do? We, we prepared ourselves physically. Now, I'm not saying if you don't do that that you're not right with God. Okay? But I tell you what, it probably helped your Sunday mornings go a little bit smoother. Just the thought. The devil use anything to keep you out of church. But just like we prepared physically, let me ask you, are, are you preparing your heart spiritually to be able to receive the word of God? You know, just from a practical standpoint, I gave you Bible. Now I'm going to give you my opinion. You can throw this out if you want. 
but from a practical standpoint, to help you receive the Word of God. And I would say this, no matter who's preaching. If you believe that the man of God up there is preaching the Word of God, loves you, loves your family, and cares about your spiritual well-being, if you honestly believe that, you'll receive the Word of God a whole lot easier. From a practical, so we're talking about from a practical standpoint. But see, doesn't Satan kind of want to make that us against him? Satan wants to do that. I'm so glad this church isn't like that. I'm, I'm glad that our church is growing in love and in unity and the bond of completeness. I'm glad about that. But you know, if we're not careful, that can happen. That's just the practical side. James doesn't mention that. But how are you receiving the Word of God? If you're not receiving it the way that James lays it out for us, you're going to be a self-deceived Christian. 